Good afternoon, and thanks for having me. I'm going to just use my 10 minutes because I know it's lunchtime, so uh, everybody must be hungry. Um, so um, I'm going to speak to you about um, the Portuguese community in Bermuda. Uh, we often hear that um, we define the ethical groups in Bermuda as three major ones. There's black, white, and then the Portuguese. And sometimes even on surveys about race, we still see Portuguese as an option. Uh, very interesting when we look at the Portuguese being a nationality and not a race, per se. Um, so today is a very, very interesting date, because tomorrow, uh, November 4th, Sunday, marks the 169th anniversary of the arrival of the first group of Portuguese immigrants to Bermuda. Okay, uh, please be reminded that next year, on the same date, you'll have a holiday, as stated by Premier Bert. Okay? Yes? So, you're very welcome for the day off. Yes? So, why did the Portuguese come to the island? Okay, there was a push to modernize uh, our agricultural industry because we had a decline on the seafaring industry. It met its demise. So we had to get our economy going. So um, Governor Reed proposed that we should develop, or redevelop rather, the agricultural industry. Um, so we needed labor, we needed expertise. Uh, so we looked around and um, a group of 58 Portuguese nationals came on November 4th 19, uh, sorry, 1849. Um, if you look on the map um, of the world, if you look due east, uh, you'll find that Madeira is on the same parallel. Okay, so um, the idea was to bring those people to Bermuda so that they can plant um, vine and make wine just like the Madeirans uh, do. Madeira. Madeira wine is something that it's uh, um, something of, uh, of uh, just like port wine, something exquisite. So we wanted that as well in Bermuda. However, we didn't go into that type of business. We developed agriculture. Okay, um, there is proof that agriculture grew uh, in the in the following decades, two, three decades, four decades. It grew. And sometimes we give credit to the Portuguese that came here. Of course, um, they had a role in, in, in that. But there was also introduction of technology. Uh, Governor Reed um, introduced technology, um, mainly plows. But there was introduction of that. Um, between 49 and the turn of the century, um, the, the, the Portuguese population grew. There was growth in the population. And by 1901, uh, we could see that uh, a lot of the Portuguese immigrants that um, came, you know, their children, their grandchildren, they start venturing into other um, occupations. Okay, we start seeing them into other occupations. And they were also educating themselves. Um, there's an article on the Royal Gazette um, I believe February 9th, 2011, um, Mr. Trevor Moniz mentions that a grand uncle uh, was the first Portuguese 
stu uh, student uh, accepted that Saltus. Okay, so there was uh, some progress. Okay, when it comes to discrimination, uh, we have to look at the Portuguese as someone that came um, in the middle of the two main ethnic groups in Bermuda, the whites and the blacks. Okay, and they faced this discrimination from both sides, particularly when they came in 1849. Okay, the whites would discriminate because these people came, uh, they, would, they came to do menial, men, menial jobs, low paying wages, um, they couldn't speak the language, they couldn't write, they couldn't read, so they were kind of put to the side. They did the labor, they stuck to each other in communities, but that's a form, um, a way that they were discriminated against by the white population. Um, from the black population, of course, in 1849, um, why were we bringing people in? We had an, enough uh, people available on the island that could do those types of work, of jobs. But, so there was a pushback from the, uh, the black community as well. And uh, some would say, rightfully so, why are we bringing people when we have um, um, labor available on the island? Okay? Now, moving forward to uh, the 20s, um, as, Dr. as the Minister Brown said and Ms. Linf uh, Winfield said, there was a, a change in labor. There was importation of other, of other um, groups. Um, and despite the in spite of the um, progress that the Portuguese have achieved, they still didn't get um, membership into certain clubs. So they formed their own club, uh, workmen cl a workmen's club in 1935, and it's still open today, it's Vasco da Gama. And um, we can, um, Mr. Abel Pimentel, he was the first president, and I, we, we can look at him as the first um, social activists coming from the Portuguese community. You don't accept us, we can create our own. And, and the club became a center for culture, um, a center where the Portuguese could go and get help, get educated, get assistance. Okay, so um, the, the, the club is still a very vibrant club in Bermuda. Um, over, well, 85, 90 years, it's still in operation. Okay. Um, as was mentioned before, um, with the stricter immigration rules, um, the Portuguese living on the island, the, the newcomers, not the ones that were here in 1849, um, but there was strict rules and the Portuguese were unable to bring their wives and their children. Okay, so one can imagine that in those days they couldn't travel back and forth as we do today. So they would, they would lose important years in the life of their children. Their formative years, the parents would be away from them. Okay, there was a, um, a priest, uh, Father Macedo, Father Philippe Macedo. He was an advocate to, um, um, for the Portuguese community and he fought um, for that rule to change. So in 1958, there was a change. And from then on, um, the Portuguese uh, living on the island, they could bring their wives. In fact, 
Um, there's an article in the Bermuda magazine uh, that says that he performed up to a thousand weddings. So people that united or reunited and um, boyfriend, girlfriends, and then they, they got together and he, he got them married, okay? Um, like Mr. Pimentel from Vasco da Gama, the first president, like Father Macedo, we've had other activists um, from, for the Portuguese community. Uh, we, can, we can name a few. Um, we have uh, Miss um, Patricia Mudd. She was the first that she wrote a book on the, on the Portuguese Bermudian um, um, history. Um, very interesting book. I think it's the only one of the kind. Um, so I look at her as an activist, someone that was proactive in, in, in um, helping the Portuguese uh, with the problems they, they had, or at least tell the story of the Portuguese. Um, we often hear Mr. Trevor Manas advocating for the rights of, of Portuguese people on the island. Uh, we, we often hear about um, um, Mr. Robert Pires, and, and of course, who can forget, who, who can forget Eddie DeMello? He was an advocate for the Portuguese um, rights on the island. Um, so when it came to resistance, um, I gave you examples, you know, people that um, may have fought against uh, discrimination uh, towards the Portuguese community on the island. Um, but I understand and that the Portuguese were not a, a um, defiant people. Okay, they were not a defiant people. And I take the, uh, the idea of um, Rennie um, Edo Lodge. Um, she presented in one of these forums uh, at Oxford uh, um, uh, University, and she mentions, uh, and I take her ideas and I want to bring it to the plight of the Portuguese on the island, is that the Portuguese understood that loose lips and noise could get you in trouble. Yes, it could get you in trouble. It could get you, you could go home. And that's often the, the, uh, the threat that comes towards the community. Um, so the, um, the choice was to bite your tongue, do what you must, and get ahead in life. Um, and many did so. If you look at our community today, we see a lot of, uh, um, we see a lot of um, business leaders, we see a lot of um, um, business owners, um, and we still see uh, remnants of what, we, what the Portuguese did in 1849. Most of the farming is still in the hands of Portuguese. Uh, food distribution, construction, so there was a lot of progress, a lot of progress over the years. And um, we even had uh, a period between 88 and 92, there were about six MPs that carried a Portuguese name. Okay, um, carrying a Portuguese name is a, a, a strong um, aspect of your heritage, of course, but it, it doesn't mean that those people who carry that name will be advocates for the, for the, uh, for the, uh, for the community. And I will just, I will just, um, I will just end by saying that, again, with the ideas of uh, Ms. Rennie um, Edolage, that, um, there's a sentiment in the Portuguese community, even this, to this day, that there is a passive aggressive approach by the various governments towards the plight of the Portuguese people. Okay, there is a procrastination. 
There is a pushing to the side. There is an hesitation in taking care of some of their um, um, issues. And the main issue that um, we now hear is the fact that they feel, or that generally they feel that they belong to Bermuda. They were allowed to come here uh, a century or so ago. Okay, they've allowed to be working here for 40, 50 years. They've allowed to, uh, to bear children and grandchildren. Yet, there's some people that still don't have um, something that says, I belong to this island. Um, and they live as Bermudians. Um, they feel Bermudian. Um, but this passive aggressive approach by the different governments um, is something that they feel should be addressed. Um, thank you very much. Thank you.